It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. And this is your NBA episode for the week, part two, talking about NBA win totals. If you missed it, part one went up on Monday, talking about NBA Summer League and Rookie of the Year. Brandon Anderson and I broke all that down. In this episode, we're going to talk about win totals. We're going to give you our three favorite win totals to bet already. We got Brandon's got some leans already. He's got some he's going to bet. He's already put them in the app. That's all done. So we're going to talk about win totals that we want you to know that we are already on and that probably will be moving in one direction or another. So good content here. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. Yep, the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. And you can check out all of Brandon's great stuff, both on NFL and NBA in the Action Network app. Just go to the follow button, search for at Wheaton Brando. All right, let's go ahead and start here. So the NBA win totals hit the markets this week. They're not available at FanDuel yet, but you can find them out there in the betting landscape. And so there were a couple that I went ahead and grabbed immediately. Um, you need to shop around as always. Great way to do that is with the Action Network app so you can get a sense of where the money is at and where the juice is. Um, I'll start right here. The first bet that I made right off the top was Nuggets at the very top. They lead the entire leaderboard. The defending champions lead at 54 and a half. The under on that is plus 100. That plus 100 was a like an important part of this equation is that <laughs> I I very much like there. I mean, this may go up and I might get another win. And we're going to talk about this a little bit um, with some of the others. Well, I want to talk about it with the Pacers in particular later, but the debate of do you want the juice or do you want the extra win? Um, I have, I'm not going to bet anything where it's like I'm inside of a win or I'm, I'm right. within two wins. So for me, it's like, these are all things that as a, an indication of the process and Brent and I will do our usual, our, we're going to bring it back this year. We're going to do how to bet for all the things that you can bet in the NBA. We'll start that over the next couple of weeks. So among that will obviously be how to bet win totals. And we'll talk about this a little bit more, but at 54 and a half, it's not like if this moves to 55 and a half minus 120 minus 130 on the under, I'm not going to be like, Ooh, I like it way better. Like, no, like I have the power rating from last season adjusted for what's gone on in the off season. And my number comes out much closer to 50. 50 is we, I talked about this last year. It's kind of a key number in win totals. They tend to go under the last 10 years. Um, this Nuggets team won't be as motivated. This Nuggets team will probably have a little bit of a hangover. 
this Nuggets team has two guys playing in FIBA in Jamal Murray and p- probably Nikola Jokic. It's not confirmed, but probably Nikola Jokic in FIBA. So they're going to have played into June, had a month off, play in FIBA, and then right into training camp. They're going to have to get those guys rest. Joker has been like Joker. Joker's put up two MVP seasons and almost a third when he hasn't necessarily been all that, like he doesn't love the regular season. He just kind of drug his way through it. That's how good he is. But at the same time, like he might, he might give himself a break and, and miss a little bit more time. He actually talked about that in his exit interviews after winning the championship was like, I'm going to take some more time this time because of, of all the basketball that's been played. They lost Bruce Brown. They lost Jeff green. Their young guys have looked really shaky in summer league. There's a lot of potential there, but that's like, that's the depth. It's Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown as a sophomore, and rookies. That's it. Uh, all of this to me adds up to a pretty easy play on the under. I have bet the Nuggets over almost every single year. Michael Malone has never gone under as a Nuggets coach in a full season, but I'm going to do it this year. I'm betting the Nuggets under 54 and a half. Yeah, and I know uh, we'll, we'll get there too when we come back to the, a little more in-depth here, but I know your numbers really like to fit, take the under on the team that, that whoever has the highest win total posted that you, you've got a lot of numbers that like the under. So I'm sure that that automatically was kind of a signal for you on this one. Uh, I, I know we're going to get to summer league a little bit more later, but to me, to me, the big warning for Denver is the depth really is a concern to me. And it's look, it's just Bruce Brown and Jeff green. Really. That's all that's gone. That's basically their sixth and seventh guy from the playoff rotation. But in the regular season for, for all the reasons you said that, we're going to miss some time. They're going to be cautious with Murray as they always are. MPJ is going to miss some games. He always does. Jokic. I mean, like I wouldn't be shocked if he like tries to play only 64 games just so that he can't be in the MVP conversation next year. Like the depth is going to matter in the regular season. I'm not so worried yet for the postseason. We got a long time to get there. I know you watched more than I did specifically the Denver summer league team because basically that's their depth rotation other than Christian Brown, who obviously didn't play because he just finished playing meaningful minutes. The rest of the guys, Peyton Watson and all the rookies, Julian Strother. uh, I didn't even know Hunter Tyson much at all before coming into this. He's been electric for them in in the summer league. Jalen Pickett. Talk to me just for a minute or two. Like, did, did you see those guys in person when you were there? What, what do you make of the Denver summer team overall? Yeah, so I like Julian Strother. He didn't shoot well, but I don't necessarily worry about guys shooting in summer league or really as rookies. I mean, they need him to contribute now. You don't take the guys that they've taken as old as they are without like a little of assumption they can play. Um, but what I liked about Strother was he was he was willing to go ahead and, and get contact. He drove into contact repeatedly, had a little bit more of a floor game than I was anticipating because kind of the way that it was presented uh, to me by both scouts and like a, a limited number of of uh film that i watched was more of like he's going to project as like a real three and d pure guy and some of this is like he may be that in the league but in summer league he did show like a little bit in terms of being able to get into the lane defensive stuff was decent it was pretty good um hunter tyson had an incredible summer league he's probably the guy that gained the most in terms of the last guy picked uh they signed him to a four-year deal shot the lights out he played exceptionally well in summer league i i don't get get overly excited about that just because i'm like 
look, it, it's good that he looks like he belongs because that's kind of what I'm looking for in summer league is like, do you look like you belong here? You can either look like you don't belong here because you're so much better. You should not be in summer league. Or you can be like, you don't belong here. The NBA is not for you. Yeah. Um, like you just yeah, not. Agree. As a, as a summer league connoisseur, it's very often the biggest takeaway is the thing that you don't see from guys. And you're just like, oh, oh you don't even belong on this court, then you aren't here. Like, I totally agree with that. So don't take so much out of the good stuff you see. Good stuff is good. But the bad things, if they stand out, to me is the biggest, most clear takeaway out of Summer League. So yeah, it's it's good that the Denver guys didn't look bad on the court. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Pickett, I think probably looked the best in terms of he's going to be a point guard. He Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up as the backup point guard by the end of the season. Um, I don't know if he can play in the playoffs. That's a bigger question, but like, I have some concerns about his defense, but offensively Pickett plays the type of basketball that will, the Nuggets veterans will be like, okay. All right. Yeah. This, this kid can stay. All right. Very Monty Morris to me. Just mm-hmm. like take care of the ball, run the show, stay out of the way. He was making ball reversals. And then he was the one, like he would make that ball reversal. And usually you want, you, you see those guys wanting them to shoot immediately. And he was like, Oh, had his hands open. Like, keep it moving. Let's go. Like he wanted them to find better shots, which unfortunately for Jalen, that's not what summer league's about. It's about the word, the most immediate shot you get. Cause everybody that touches the ball is like, Ooh, let me shoot it. Maybe I can get on an NBA team and, or get more minutes. Um, so from that perspective, like it's fine, but the concern with Denver is not necessarily that like guys because they do have Zeke Naji and, and Vlaco Chanchar. It's not necessarily that like eight, nine, ten, eleven, these kind of guys, right? Right. And eleven, twelve, that they're really gonna matter. The question is if Aaron Gordon gets an ankle sprain, are they gonna play MPJ? 38 minutes a night to make up for some of that because you need forwards on the floor. If not, does Ignaji step in? Ignaji tends to get hurt. Does that mean that Hunter Tyson fills in? <laughs> uh, if if Jamal Murray needs a night off, as he you know he recovered from the ACL last year, missed you know he played 65 games, missed a fair amount of games. We'll probably do so again this season. If he's out and Reggie Jackson starts, is Jalen Pickett now your backup point guard? Like you're having to move a bunch of guys that are not there into these bigger bigger kind of areas. That plus. Um, we I, I've talked a lot about this. They were absolutely a championship contender from December 1st through the, the Memphis game in early March, 100%. But their overall, for the entire season, they were projected, uh, my number is a lot closer to 50. And I'm just, uh, to me, I'm just like, they were closer to a 50-win team on the season with a higher ceiling based off of if you shorten the rotation and play your starters more, which guess what they did. But now that's going to be tougher for them. So, uh, by the way, I did run the numbers here real quick. Uh, Last 10 seasons, if with a win total of 54 or more, 12, I'm sorry, 21 and 12 to the under last 10 seasons. Okay. Well, one more question for you on Denver before we move on. Just a big, big, big picture for Denver. We talked about the depth. Are you more concerned about Denver's depth right now for the regular season or for the playoffs? Regular season. I think by the time that we get to the trade deadline, they will look different. I think they'll probably pick up somebody. Uh, This is a time for them to really push in terms of 
the front office is like, we hit on Christian Brown. We think we hit on Peyton Watson. Shake your results there. Um, we think that we've got all these guys. We're going to make – a lot of this is like they're going to make Michael Malone play young guys, and I don't know how that's going to go. But probably if it doesn't go well, and I don't think it's going to go well enough by the deadline, they will have either traded or found somebody for them to be able um, – they will, they will look different. I am not worried about not playing them for the playoffs. I don't think there's good value on them to bet them to win the title now. But I do think that uh, I have more concerns about the regular season performance and their playoffs performance. Uh, second team I've already bet, the Milwaukee Bucks, under 52.5, plus 100. Again, this might go to 53.5, and, and you get an extra win on it if you want to play the under. This is pretty much two things. Uh, I told you pretty consistently they were not as good as their record towards the end of the season. It's why we were betting Boston. Wah, wah. Um, they were not as good as their record was last year. They lost Javon Carter. And the reason I mentioned that, if you're like, why does that matter? <laughs> it's that this team had very little margin for error and they didn't really add anybody. Yeah. They didn't, they brought Jay, they brought Jay Crowder back. Uh, and then on top of all of this is the key question, I think, Brandon, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I've been asking kind of, I was asking people in Vegas from a betting perspective, like what's the value of Mike Budenholzer on a regular season performance? Yeah. Because everybody like loves to hate on Bud, loves to talk about him not adjusting in the playoffs, loves to talk this, that, and the other. Fine. As somebody that has covered the league for as long as I have, he won games in Atlanta. He won games in Milwaukee. It was really great being able to bet on the box in every single division matchup they would ever have. And now that's gone. And I just don't know what Adrian Griffin's going to bring to this job. It's an unknown. Yep. And the question I think is, I can't say definitively that Griffin is going to be worse or better than Budenholzer as an overall coach. What I can ask though, is the question of what are the odds that he will be as good in the regular season yep. as Bud was. And my expectation is that there is a better than even and a better than I would say probably 60% chance that they'll be worse in the regular season in terms of performance with this team diminishing returns with an old squad under a new, a different coach. What do you think? Yeah, I, I fully totally agree with exactly how you just put it. I, to me, Adrian Griffin is downgrade in the regular season for the hope of upgrade in the postseason. Like we, we know what we both think about coach bud in the playoffs he got better he won a championship <laughs> banners fly forever right so yeah we, we give him credit for the championship but there were still it, it was a team that did not show a lot of versatility it was a team that like that's that's bud's thing and it's it's right out of the pop tree is you find what works and you hammer it game after game night after night you get your defense locked in defense wins championships you find the thing you do best and you just do it every single game and you win a lot of games. We saw pop do that. We're still seeing pop do it, but we saw him win a ton defense and just the same formula. We've seen other guys in that tree as well, basically the same thing. So I, I totally agree that the regular season it's not known, but yeah, like I think your 60% is low. I think like 80, 90%, like, Bud is a really, really good regular season coach from a win totals perspective. Right. In particular, I would fully expect 
if I am bringing in a new coach, it's because I wanted to change. And if I want to change, it's because I want Griffin to try some stuff. I want to try out a few new defensive schemes. I want to switch up the offense a little bit. I want to see what, you know, let's try this weird lineup. Let's, let's do this new thing. That probably means a few clunkers along the way too. Like, you hope if you're a Milwaukee fan, you want to do those things. Like that's why you made this move. So I, I think it makes sense. I don't know that I'm on the under here yet, just that the number's low and they've been winning so much, but it, it definitely put it this way. It would be a pass on the over. So it, to me, it's an under uh, under or pass, I guess is the way I would say. And I think you're right about the coaching they don't have a backup point guard. That's why it matters that Javon Carter is not on the team. Like they literally don't have a backup point guard. Like who, who have the season started today. It's literally like uh, Malik Beasley or Grayson Allen. Like these are the real things. It's just like on my spreadsheet, it's just a giant question mark to the point that I kind of feel like if the season started tomorrow, Second round rookie Andre Jackson might actually be the backup point guard running the second unit, which would not go well. So I don't know. I'm assuming like they got a lot of wings. I'm going to guess that, you know, maybe they like trade a wing for TJ McConnell or something like that and just get somebody in. But the margin is thin. It's a long season. Giannis low key has become a guy that only plays like 66, 68 games. Like he, he misses games in the regular season. That's fine. We need him in healthy in the playoffs, and we're not always getting that lately, so they're going to keep being cautious there. Uh, I think the under makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's a there's a I got a plus 100. There's a 53 and a half under minus 132. I, I would also I would tell you that if you're somebody that's only going to bet win totals once, like I'll probably add to this later because I think this might get to 54 and a half. I went heavy on it at the mm-hmm. beginning. In the beginning, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you on the, the, the debate on like the wind total versus the juice. I like, we've talked about this before on whether it's a game or whatever, my numbers, the, the way that I set my stuff up, I am just unique. Like I have, I am not the, the typical setup of a professional better. Like I have one of the teams I'm going to give out. I have a win total that would literally be like eight or nine wins above the number. <laughs> like my margins are huge. So when I like, the three that we're going to talk about for me are all win totals that I'd have off by like five wins. And that is because that just like the way I model or set things up, my margins are really big. So like, that means I'm wrong. Sometimes I understand that's kind of how I interpret my stuff, but I'm not going to get thrown off on one win. So same thing as like when just during the year, if I give out a minus six and a half and now the line has dropped to minus six, I'm still playing. Like, I wanted a half point. I'll happily take it if it's out there. Like, that's why I grabbed it when I did. Everything matters. But I'm also not like, oh, no, well, now I can't play it because I probably only did it because I was like, you know, three points off of it or something. So I agree with you on, especially this far out, getting the plus 100 is nice to grab the juice. Right. I think, you know, the counter to this is what is how much the wins are worth in terms of the juice. And I think you can have your cake and eat this, too, if you want to wait. Because like I said, I think this probably gets up to 54 and a half by the time that we get closer to season. Like I think we've already seen that in the market, there's a 53 and a half, right? And this is plus 100 of the under. So we're probably going to see 53 and a half juiced under. And then if it keeps, if they take on money as we get closer, which you would imagine most people will bet like Giannis, they brought back mid, they brought back Brooke. They've been like a proven squad, right? They've gone over so often. 
that they'll probably take on money to the over. I didn't feel like I made this bet because I was just like, I think there's value here at a plus 100. I don't think they're getting to 52 to 53 wins. Um, that said, the best time to wait to bet it is going to be closer to the season because I think you will get one to two more wins and probably close to something relatively close to the plus 100 that I bet. Like you're not going to lose more than 20 cents on it. This one, 132 at, 50, at 53 and a half, I don't think will be the number when we get, get to the season. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. One more, and then we'll get to yours. Uh, oh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, over 44 and a half. I found that one. There's a 43 and a half heavily juiced over not heavily substantially juiced over there's a 44 and a half at minus 106 and i'm more than happy to go ahead and take the extra win there to get to uh the minus 106 um i have them projected currently at brandon at 48 that's what i've got them wow. right now so i have more than enough clearance on this look it needs to be noted that everyone like this to me is a good example of perception guiding the market versus like ignore and ignoring the context a little bit of who they were last year, which we could talk about like Carl Anthony Towns being a dip. And we can talk about the complications of Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert together. We can do all that. Carl Anthony Towns is $35 million of salary in a player that is very good. And he did not play for almost the entire season. So we have like, this big, big missing component in their number. And if we go back and we use um, the Pythagorean, which we've talked about last year, is usually how these books make it. And lo and behold, it's pretty close here. Uh, they come out at 42.3. Now, like, is Cat in that time span probably worth about two wins? Probably. Like, I think that's about probably fair. Um, but we have a full training camp of them together. I think getting rid of D'Lo and adding Mike Conley, that will affect will show more over the course of like a full training camp and into the season. Anthony Edwards, I expect to be better. They found an identity by the end of the last year and they stuck together. And again, I return to Chris Finch is a hell of a coach. So all of this to me gets me to, they may not hit 48, but I think this number is not egregiously off, but I feel confident in saying that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be, 45 or above next season, assuming that disaster does not strike them again. Yeah. I mean, when has disaster ever struck Minnesota sports? I'm sure it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, you already know, you already know I'm not with you on this one. I just, I, I just but can't, let me, I let can't me ask with you, the Timberwolves. But let me ask you, but let me ask you this. I want, cause I know how you feel about it. But this is what I want to ask you. How much of this is, is like, you don't like what they've done and I don't blame you. Right. Right. I don't like what they've done. I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do, but I don't love it. Okay. The question though, is like, if we look at talent, coaching, approach, schedule, does that get us to like, no, they're not going to be good. Or do we get to like, 
No, they should be pretty good. So just today I was looking when we did our win totals last year, you remember I gave out like a range of wins for each team. Yeah. And so I was looking today at my range of wins for each team to see, okay, which teams, which teams fell into the range. He was right in the middle and who are the teams that like really went outside their range and overall pretty good, pretty good. I ended up about two thirds of the teams basically hit the range Four teams out of the 30 were were well outside of my range, like five wins or more outside of, and I'm giving you like a 40 to 48 range, and they were still five wins one direction or the other. The Jazz, fine. I whiffed on the Jazz. They were my bottom team going into the year. They came out 11 and three. So I missed that. The Thunder were one. The Timberwolves were one because I did not like them last year. I did not like them. Sam, I am. I did not want green eggs and ham. I did not like them anything about them. And I talked myself into the Rudy Gobert floor and the defensive floor and the stuff that was supposed to get better. And I bumped myself up to like a 48, I forget 46 to 54, 48 to 54, mm-hmm. something like that as a team that I, I got to, I don't believe this as a playoff team, but I think that this can work in the regular season. The floor should be a lot better. And the floor just wasn't better. It just, it, it, is a team that did not improve really from the year before they won 42 games last year. So to get to where you have them at, I just, I, I know cat should be better. I don't know that he will be better. I mean, he'll play that helps obviously like that's, he is to me, the best, most talented player currently as a basketball player, the most winning impact player currently on the team ahead of ant still. Ant is coming around. If we get the playoff ant, it's not a question. We have playoff cat. It's not a question in the regular season. If Towns was a center, that's a big impact. Having him back is huge, but the Timberwolves got, they're going to get more Mike Conley this year, but they got a pretty good season out of D'Lo while he was there. Basically Conley being as good as D'Lo was in Minnesota from a shooting perspective and all of that would be a big success. Conley's pretty old. We, we love our guy, Mike, but I didn't think Rudy was very good last year. I think he's a below average center period right now as a, as a starter. I thought I didn't think he helped the defense that much. I love Mike Conley. He's going to facilitate, but I don't know. I, I, uh, Tim Connolly, the moves he's making around the fringes, getting guys like Leonard Miller second round. Love it. Love him. The summer league. He's looked great. The way they're building the roster with the fringes and the moves on the edges and Chris Finch, I, I like it. I like all that. I like the process. The biggest part of the process is the problem. It's it's the rot inside of everything that it's, this is not just, I can't get past the Rudy Gobert trade. I hated it. It's, I can't get past the Rudy Gobert trade. It ruined all the good stuff about the team because it took away the best parts about Cat and moved him to a position where he's not as valuable offensively. It clogged up the lane, which moved Ant to a thing where he's not as valuable offensively. I I just, Joe Dallaire and I just talked about this today. All I want is for them to just say, you know what? Mea culpa, bad move. Who wants Rudy Gobert? I know we're going to eat it. We're going to lose a lot of picks on it, but let's just get him out of here. Go back to what we had. Go back to what works and build forward. Cat as center, Ant, Cat. Let's see where we go. That's the move with the team. Instead... Another reason why I don't love the over here is I just feel like the cat trade is coming at some point and it could come in the off season still. Maybe it doesn't come in the regular season just because the salary is so huge. It probably is pretty hard to pull off then, but 
I don't know. I, I can't get there on the team. I, I think I'm, I'm done trying to believe until something changes. Oh yeah. Time. Yeah. You're done trying to believe because you put so much work into it. Don't strain yourself, buddy. Um, I, I would just say, <laughs> I would just say that, look, they were eighth in, de- in defensive rating last year. They were better. They were ahead of 110 defensive rating with Rudy on the floor. Um, there was just a lot. And I think a lot of this is also Ant was frustrated by the trade. Everybody was kind of frustrated by the trade and that's fine. But this is one of the things about the NBA is on, it's like the timelines are so long and you wind up being like, you can, they basically moped the first three months of the season. He and D'Lo specifically moped the first three months of the season, but by the end of it, you saw, especially after D'Lo left, you saw Ant start to embrace, like, because the rest of those guys, uh, for lack of a better term, have that dog in them. Nas Reed has that dog in him. Kyle Anderson has that dog in him. Like, NAW has that dog in him. He proved that in the playoffs. Like, those guys, those guys are tough, and they are professional, and they hung together. And when Ant started to lean into that, it got better and he and, and the minutes with him and Rudy got better. So I'm all about it now. Uh, the cat trade wouldn't necessarily scare me off. Cause I think it clears some, some of their problems out, but I also think that they'll figure stuff out and we'll, we'll see how it goes. I want to get into yours. Mm. I'm very excited for yours. Um, these are leans. Brandon has not bet these, but no, I, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to bet these. We, I narrowed it down to just these three. I am going to put these in the app. These are bets. So yeah. I, these are official recommendations. I'll start out with my absolute favorite one right now. Before I even looked at any of the win totals, this is a team I knew I'd be in on the over. And then once I saw the number, I was like, holy cow. Like this to me is last year when we started and we gave out our first two win totals, I did Cleveland over and I did Houston under. And I put both of them in the app for three units each. This is a three-unit play for me. Indiana Pacers over 35 and a half. I think it's a ludicrous number. I have the Pacers in the low to mid 40s for win total. I think that this is a playoff team this year, not a postseason team, a playoff team. I think they have a real chance to just outright make the playoffs as a top six seed in the East. I love what they've done in the offseason. Bruce Brown, they paid a lot for him, but I think he's a really good fit for this roster. He fills the need in the in the lineup. I assume he'll be starting for them. Obi Toppin, they basically got mostly for free. They basically traded Duarte for him who didn't play last year. So that's a free top in. He fits really well on this team. Like he has yep. limitations, but getting out and running, playing with Halliburton can be really good. Jairus Walker, probably not going to move the needle a lot right away just because that's how it goes with most rookies. But I like how he fits the team a lot. Last year, Pacers went 35 and 47. This is a 35 and a half. So it is a pure bet on do the Pacers win more games than last season? Period. That's it. That's the number. Halliburton played 56 games last year. And Halliburton, when he played, was a top 10 player in the NBA by a lot of the advanced metrics. He was awesome. Miles Turner played 62 games last year. He's probably not going to play a ton more than that. But if they're competitive, he's probably going to play five or 10 more games than that, at least. And he's a really important linchpin, both ends of the team, the way he spaces offensively, obviously on defense. I love Rick Carlisle when he's right with the team, when it's the right fit. He's about as good as any coach in the NBA. I think at the very, very least, barring major injuries, I would be genuinely shocked if this team is not at least a play-in team. And if you're a play-in team, 
you won 36 games and you got over this 35 and a half. Last thing, play it now. I'm grabbing it now. There's a minus 110 out there and you made a note here that you might want to wait for it. I want it now because they are starting to get some rumors about Pascal Siakam and Indiana is a team that keeps coming up. If Siakam ends up in Indiana and they have the pieces for it, then this number goes up and I'm going to like it anyway. So last year, I'm not taking credit for it, but last year we got Cleveland early when they had a nice looking team. And then we got a number that ended up being like five wins higher once they had a Donovan Mitchell. Siakam is not going to move it quite that much, but if he goes there, this number is going to be like at least 38 and a half to 40 and a half range. I'm going to like it anyway. That's just a free upside opportunity. I want it now. It's a three unit play. I love the Pacers over. Yeah, so at minus one ten, I would definitely grab this now. Uh, the the where that is available is not available to me currently, and so I will wait because I am okay at thirty six and a half. And this is I look the over is at some of the other places in the market are it's minus one twenty five, minus one thirty. We sure. will get like there's already a thirty five and a half minus one ten. You will get other like if you can get that that if you find that take that. If you were operating in a book that has the juice, just wait until another one comes available and get it there. Like as much as we've talked about how much is a win worth versus not like those kind of questions. To me, the juice is more important. Like I I care more about the juice than the win in win total discussions on the NBA. Um, it's not that I don't care about the, the like I don't want it. It's not like I, it's not like I'm like, oh, I don't care, whatever. I just want the good payout. No, no, no. Like there's limits here where it starts to get shaky. But yeah, uh, I have them 44. So like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this number? Um, yeah. The I will ask you this though, because there, there is a Pascal Siakam talk, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. If I told you hypothetically, this is hypothetical, that Buddy Heald was not on this team when yeah. training camp opens, how much does that change? Like, what does that it do? Is- for you is that is he off the team because he left in a trade for a siakam or something or is he is is there another like is he just disappeared or is there something better something good in his place he does he is not he is traded for return that does not impact the rotation okay i mean i wouldn't love it buddy healed i I don't think buddy healed moves the needle in a huge way but he's a good player he's an awesome shooter what it's a margin thing, right? Like it's yeah, it's yeah, about, absolutely. Yeah. It's to me, Benedict Matherin steps in eighty-five percent of what Buddy Heal does. But who steps into Benedict Matherin? That's the loss. It's like yeah, who you know is it, is Ben Shepard, I guess, the rookie that they just got, and that's the, the that's the big drop. You don't get a lot of Matherin rookie seasons. He's Shepard's not going to suddenly just be that in all likelihood. So it's it's not necessarily that. Oh my gosh, we just can't survive without Buddy Heald. But yeah. It, it shortens the margin. Right now, I like the depth. I like the rotation. Even like the five-man bench unit, presumably, is, is a unit I feel pretty good about. So if he's just gone, if they trade him for like a pick, so nothing that helps the team this year, that would, it wouldn't devastate me on my play because, again, I have them also. I would probably put the line about 43 and a half. So eight wins higher, but basically where you have them. This to me is like a five, six, seven seed range for yep. me. So Buddy Heald is not an eight-win player or anywhere near no. close to it. So I wouldn't love it. It would not be, you know, it's it's the same with any of these guys. Like, what if X player tore his ACL tomorrow and is out yeah. for the year? Okay, well, that's the that's the danger of betting early on these on an over in particular. 
but Buddy Heald is not a guy that's going to crush my bet either way. And I, I realize I should mention why I asked that. Um, there's been repeated conversations that I've heard about over the last, since the week before free agency, about teams being interested in Buddy Heald mm-hmm. and the conversations being built around future assets for Indiana. Now, that may have been tied to them clearing space to go get Bruce Brown. So having already done that and figured that that pattern out, that may mean that he's sticking around. Um, But yeah, 30, 35 and a half. It's an absurd number. 36 and a half is an absurd number. I will bet this. It's a matter of when. So Brandon and I are aligned on that one. Um, And and, and by the way, on this, just not, not to call a shot on it per se, but there is an element of Cleveland last year here where to me, like the tea leaves of there, there is another move, a positive move coming. I don't know if it's now. I don't know if it's for Donovan Mitchell or Siakam or whoever. There are the right level of contracts and picks and like cap space available. I think Indiana is going to think that they can win and hang. Like the Pacers are not a team that has to go all in for a championship. The Pacers are a team that would love to be the Blazers from the last decade and like be a three to a six seed and just be in the playoffs year after year after year. They're close to that. And they're set up well to make that move. I don't know if it's now. I don't know if it's Siakam. I don't know if it'll happen, but it is a team that has some of that potential upside, which is part of why I like the over. And again, part of why I want to bet it now rather than wait on it. So I'm going to use that to transition to, since we're talking Siakam anyway, let me go to my third one here. I like the Raptors under 37 and a half. So I did pause a little bit on this because I, I know you're probably going to push back on like the Pythagorean. So the Raptors were 41 and 41 last year on basketball reference. They're expected as 45. So they went under per, under expectations. I know they had horrendous shooting luck all season. They still got to 500. Now we're below 37 and a half. So here's why I'm down on the team. Obviously Fred Van Vliet is gone and they got nothing for him. That's how free agency works. This is a team that's basically been playing like a six-man rotation for a couple of years, and they just lost a guy that they're playing like 36 and 38 minutes most of the time with no replacement. So that that is a huge loss. It's a huge stability loss for them. It's a big shooting loss. Like on on the team that has no shooting already, that has all of these guys that want the ball in their hands, he's one guy that plays well off the ball, that spaces the floor, They lost Nick Nurse. Say what you will about them. I know that there was a lot of conflict and everything last year, and we kind of knew where this was heading. We have a coach nobody knows anything about. Regular season, like big picture or not, uh, of whatever Nick Nurse was to them last year, I have to downgrade them from a coaching perspective until we see otherwise with no Nick Nurse there, no Fred Van Vliet. And then my big thing here is, I do the thing every summer where I kind of like look at the the big picture chessboard. The Siakam breadcrumbs are coming out already a little bit. Siakam and OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. are all on expiring deals. Basically, if if the Raptors don't do something, and if those guys don't want to stick around, and I'm not reporting, I don't have the sources on this. You can probably fill in a little bit for me. If Siakam goes. I think then OG goes and Gary Trent goes and like they, they are the first domino away from being like, you know what? We got clean cap after this. We're just going to hit the reset button. We're going to go with Scotty. We apparently signed Jakob Pertl for four years, but whatever. We got Scotty and the other young guys. 
Let's get picks for Siakam. Let's get picks for OG Ananobi. Let's get rid of the Gary Trent contract for whatever he'll bring in. Let's blow it up. They traded this season for Pirtle a top six protected pick. To me, the Raptors are a stealth team to be like among the very worst teams in the league this season. If they decide to push that first domino and trade Siakam, I think it could be OG next because he probably gets more than Siakam the way that these three and D wings are going. And I think they could blow it up and suddenly just have Scotty and a bunch of young guys and, and a rookie coach. So I, again, I want the under now under 37 and a half because I, part of the idea here is I like the under anyway, but I think there's a chance that this number could go way down if we start to see some of the moves happening. Yeah, there's a lot here. Um, Michael Grange has done a lot of good reporting on this over at Sportsnet. I wrote about it this week on Action. The internal conversations are that they had every intention of running it back. And then Fred got $40 million A lot of money. <laughs> from Per year from the, the Rockets and left. And so now there's a feeling that they are actively exploring trades for Pascal Siakam to reconfigure a timeline around Scotty Barnes. They signed Dennis Schroeder as a backup replacement, which like all of the like, welcome Dennis social media graphics. <laughs> I was wincing at I, whenever I ask people around the league, like, Hey, there's all the, what do you make of the conversation right now about Siakam? I got a lot of eye rolls. I got a lot of this, which is like, yeah, no, the Ra Raptors are definitely going to trade one of them. Now the league's over it. Like, the league is over it. They, there, so many people have expressed, you know, look, it's fine. They get to run their team however they want. They get to pursue value. Masai is a great executive. Everyone loves Masai. Everyone loves his GM. It's great. But also, it's like, I also <laughs> just don't want to waste my time with it anymore. And so I don't know how this is going to go. Um, what I will say is my concern is probably this. Ujiri is as likely to pull a crazy Ivan. That's a term from Hunt for Red October, which I watched on, on flights twice and completely spin around. And instead of trading to liquidate good assets for future, instead pivot to trying to make a brash move now as he is to go the other way. So if you're like, what does that look like? The answer is like, what if he just is like, Hey, I'll give you OG. And like, what if he does offer Scotty Barnes for Dane? Like, what if he just does that? What if he says, like, Scotty was really frustrating last year for a lot of people in the organization. I'll give you Scotty Barnes and two unprotecteds along with throw in whatever. Like, I don't think you can probably give up OG or Siakam, but they put together an offer that basically makes the Heat offer look pretty miserable. And Masai just says, like, yeah, he doesn't want to come here. Well, we're going to try it. <laughs> would that shock anyone i don't think so um harden i think is a is a more difficult one to parse i think that one's that one i don't i don't necessarily see Masai taking a shot on harden um but i do see the the instability of trying to predict ujiri's moves is enough for me to be like i'm gonna leave this one alone for a while <laughs> i don't disagree that if we're like this is the roster going into the year that this number is off like this number is you and you're honestly right that I think one of the problems, though, with the number at 37 and a half, we don't have enough ways to short these teams. Yeah. Like when the alternate win totals come out, we're still only going to get like what, 35? 
30. I hope it'll be lower than that. We'll get like a, usually like maybe a half by five. We'll get like a 32 and a half or something. Like a 32 and a half, right? Yeah. And that, that'll be pretty good. But like what you and I would want here, because I'm kind of with you, what you and I would want is like a 27 and a half. Yeah. Like a we 20- want a real alternate yeah. under. Yeah. Like yeah. The, 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 the bottom out. Like with, there, there will be a like bet on who has the league's worst record. But I don't know if the floor is that low. Right. Like now you have only one out to hit it. So like it's there's gonna be somebody wins like 21 games, and we're gonna be stuck as like the third worst record and be right, but still not hit the bet in that spot. This this just occurred to me. The bet here's what the bet is. It's it's division finishing position. Yeah. Because we'll probably be able to get them over nets. Like we'll probably be able. The market will probably price them. Where are the nets at right you now? Think so. I have to look and see what the nets are at. I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't look at the nets too much. But oh, they're there's not really out not yet. anyone else. They're yeah, really they're... well. What's the what's the nets win total at? They're not out yet because everybody's oh, waiting, right. waiting on Dane. Sure. They're one of the two teams that. that yeah. They... If well, yeah. I mean, look, they're not going to be obviously, but well, I guess it depends obviously on James Harden both ways, whether he's yeah. in Philly or in Brooklyn. So I think Philly's number is not up at most books either for the same. They're, they're going to be behind Boston, obviously. They'll be behind New York. I don't know if if bottom of the division is going to be that juicy because it's a pretty strong division other than just Brooklyn versus Toronto head-to-head. But I'm not sure I feel super excited about that because Brooklyn has a lot of outs and ways they could pivot too. But I also, I think I kind of like that better than the win total because I could still see them getting to like 38 and still being at the bottom. Like Brooklyn, Brooklyn goes goes 500, 41, 41. New York goes, goes 40, you know, New York goes 46, Sixers go 46. Boston's over, obviously. And then Boston's over, right? Yeah. So do, what do you think about the, the domino theory I have here? Just from uh, from what you know about Ajiri and, and team building, if we got, let's say in the next week or two, we get a Pascal Siakam trade for whatever, and presumably a Siakam trade for a player package that is, that's clearly worse than what Siakam is right now. Do you agree in that scenario? Siakam's an expiring deal, but so is OG. So is Gary Trent. They just lost Freddie for nothing. They lost Kawhi for nothing. Like they are on a pattern of letting guys walk for nothing. If Siakam goes, do you think OG is the next domino? Or do you think that that's the one move and now they just kind of rebuild around Scotty and OG and that's the team? I think they rebuild around Scotty and OG and that's the team. Because of timeline. Okay. That's true. So that's that would be my inclination. Well, speaking of Freddie, let me go to my third one here. And I know we disagree on this one, but I'm back. This has been a go-to move for me every single year. I'm just going to roll over my money that I got from last year. Give me the Rockets under, not for three units this time. I'm not quite as positive, but under 32 and a half. We were on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and I said, when win totals come out, guess which thing is the first thing I'm going to look for? It's going to be the Rockets under. And then, since then, Houston went out and spent like $3 billion on Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks and apparently Jeff Green and Jock Landale. These are the saviors to come in for Houston. Those deals are all not quite as bad as they look, by the way. Dylan's is. Dylan's is terrible. All the other deals, Jock Landale is fully non-guaranteed. Uh, Jeff Green is a team option on the second year. Van Vliet is a team option on the third year. That's basically a two-year deal. Houston, like, we know how this goes. They're going to report the player-friendly details and then later on be like, oh, right, we all freaked out and it's not quite so bad. But it's okay. It's, it's fun to freak out. Those moves clearly 
are seen as, okay, the Rockets floor is much higher now. The Rockets are have signaled they're going to try now. They're going to try to win. They're going to try to build team culture. I, I don't mind spending like they did on Fred Van Vliet, big picture. He's a good player. He's an adult in the room. Houston badly needed somebody to come in, run point. Jabari Smith needs a point guard. Jabari Smith needs somebody to like play real offense and pass him the ball sometimes. Sorry to Kevin Porter Jr. and, and Jalen Green. Like we just needed a normal looking offense. Freddie helps them with that. The defense clearly will be better with Brooks and Van Vliet there. That's a big difference for them. They won over the last three years, 17, 20, and 22 games. <sighs> We're getting to 32 and a half. Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks raised the floor by 11 wins. No, sir. No, thank you. Especially, we know how I feel about Dylan Brooks, my LVP of the NBA. I can't get there. Udoka, again, I think they're going to be a lot better as a floor. Udoka defensively is going to help them. I don't think the offense is going to be that much better. Freddie is going to help play a more stable offensive scheme, but Van Vliet is a terrible 2% shooter. Dylan Brooks is a terrible everything he does on offense. The offense I don't think is going to get a whole lot better. We saw a couple years ago, Oklahoma City and Orlando both had around league average defense, a little below average, but still near the bottom offensively. They won 24 and 22 games. Like you can still be a real bad team by having pretty bad offense and better than you think defense. I can't get there to 33. I am I am appreciating the gift the books have given us by bumping this up too far. I think the Rockets will be better than last year. I don't think the Rockets will be 11 wins better than last year. And here's the final point. It's another draft pick thing. Houston's draft pick this year is top four protected owed to Oklahoma City one time. If it is not conveyed this year, if it stays in the top four and Houston moves up into the top four, it goes to two seconds instead. If I'm right that Houston is, I don't think they have any real chance to be a play-in team. So now you're down to like the mid thirties at best. If they're not even close to play in and it gets to like a month left in the season, I know, I know they want to win. I know they want winning culture. I know they want the Pistons thing that you know how much I hate. If you are in the range where you can tank a little bit, and let me tell you how this goes. If you finish with the 10th worst record, you got a 14% chance of moving up into the top four. If you go to the eighth worst record, you're up to 26%. You nearly doubled your chances of getting a top four pick to this team. You get to fifth worst, you're up to almost 50% to keep that top four pick to your team. That is not nothing to add a top four player in a draft that you otherwise don't roll over. You just lose the pick and then the pick protection is gone. I think that this is a team that's not good enough to push toward the plan and that with that pick thing out there, they're going to push the other direction when push comes to shove at the end of the season. Okay. So I'm, I, I know in here, I disagree with you and I want to be clear. I'm not betting the over you're right. You're right. That the number is too high. Like this number is ridiculously high. Um, I gave them a healthy bump on multiple things here and I can't get them above 28. Okay. <laughs> so like, we're still four wins short, four and a half. Um, I think that there are enough unknown things that could exponentially impact things. 
part of the problem is my base number I'm starting with on their power rating is going to be off because they tanked, right? So like the full season sure. numbers aren't indicative of like how good or bad. Now this team sucked the entire year, right? I really honestly, Brandon, I don't know what to do with a coaching. Silas was universally known as the worst coach in the league. Correct. Um, Houston fans and media are very much convinced that he was the root of all of the bad stuff. I disagree. I think it's who had the ball in their hands and Houston fans have made it clear how they feel about that position. Sure have. In my mentions. Um, but let's, I am open to being wrong on that. Like maybe Jalen was just really like given the keys by Silas and that was the problem. And now in a structured offense, he's going to look a lot better. Like I am really am open to that possibility. The It's not just the like removing Silas is probably worth a, a relatively shocking number of wins just because you're no longer as inclined to lose because you are feeling like you're actually building towards something. And then adding Udoka can be worth almost approximately the same to the point where as hesitant as I am to move guys team totals off of players, I'm much more willing to move them off of coaching because that impacts all of the guys. Like every player is hurt by coaching. Every player benefits from coaching. So that swing is probably pretty wide here. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel about Dylan Brooks the way that you do. I don't think he's good. I just, it gets to be a little bit of like a meme joke thing where we talk about Dylan and that's where I'm like, we, we need to be able to talk about him a little bit more seriously in terms of like, he could be an overall negative without being like that much like that. that long. And, and just to, just to give him a little credit as I will do once for the year and then I'll be done <laughs> one time. I think that actually Dylan Brooks on this particular team yeah. where that so badly needs a wing and any semblance of defense. I think Dylan Brooks absolutely is a floor raiser for a bad roster. I think he absolutely improves the defense and helps this particular team win more games. Um, this, this team makes a lot more sense to me because of what Fred and Dylan and Jock Landale bring. Um, and Jeff too, like there's just going to be, they will be professional and professionalism changes a lot. Um, it, it puts it to at least where it's like, this might be a little bit close at the end to the point where I'm like, do I really want to be in on a, on a sub 32 and a half? You make a really good point of how high the number is. I'm still like, it's still 32 and a half. And this is probably a sub 30 win team. Like I had said, like, I expect the number. I actually thought the number would be 29 and a half. So yeah, that's, that's right where I, I was. I was hoping I'd right. see a three in front of it, but I expected that we would not. And like, I think Jabari is going to be a lot better this year. And I, I think that Shingun's going to be a lot better this year. And I do too. <laughs> I think Amin Thompson's going to be fucking awesome. And I love him and I'm all in on Amin Thompson and I'm all the, like, I'm all the way in. And so like, it really, to me, it's just like, okay, can Jalen green like fit in? And if Jalen green just fits in and it clicks, then this team can win like 33, 34. The tanking question I think is a really fascinating one because there's two, there's two ways to approach it, which is, Look, ownership clearly gave them a mandate. Go get guys. I want to be, I want to, yeah. I don't want to be trash. We want to be good. Like I'm tired of my team sucking is clearly the mandate from ownership. You don't spend $40 million a year on Fred Van Vliet. If you're, if you're like, 
I don't care. Like, unless you have that edict. But to your point, by January 1st, they'll know. And if by January 1st, it's like, no, we have like 10 wins. Like, we're going to be a bottom three, four team again. Like, it didn't work. Then that's when front office probably goes like, look, rationally, the thing that we probably need to do is pivot. And then ownership will be frustrated and people's jobs will be on the line, but they'll probably wind up going your direction and they'll shut down. Well, and and I, I think even, I'm not even sure it's that low. I like, I think we agree. This team is going to be a lot better than what they have been. Like they, they yep. genuinely improved a lot about the team, but if you get to, let's say three weeks left of the season and you're at like 29, 30 wins right now. Yeah. And in all likelihood, you're probably something like the fifth to eighth worst record in the NBA. You have to be serious with yourself at that point to know, okay, we're not making the postseason. We're not making a play in. And every win we get right now takes us about 10% lower at getting a top four pick next year, period. You have to take that into account, whether you want the winning culture thing or not, when you're down to the last like week or two, maybe they don't have to, maybe, maybe they'll laugh at me and be like, doesn't matter. We want that winning culture. Who cares about another top four pick? It's a weak draft next year. I don't care. You know, this this is their last chance really to get a top four pick to, to add another serious talent to the roster. Cause it's going to slowly get better from here. That's good news. They don't own their next picks either. They don't own the draft rights for several more years of their own picks. This is the last chance they have to get one more really good core piece to the team. So to me, I think that's why I, I'm still under, but Pacers over is my big one here. This is yeah. just a one unit rockets under for me. We, we can agree that the Utah Jazz last year were a better team in like we should have <laughs> we should have seen at the time they were better than this Rockets team is. But you mentioned the start for them. It's that's the other concern here, though, is if Houston gets off to an outlier start where you and I are like, this team is not that good. Like and everyone's like, are the Rockets going to make the playoffs and we get to bet against that or whatever? then great, but we probably won't have a good number on that. Although the books will be like, <laughs> yeah, no, that no. Um, but that's like, that's where this could go sideways. Right. It's like, if yeah. they just, if they wind up with a, if they wind up with an outlier until November and that, and now all of a sudden it's like, man, they've already got 16, 17 wins, you know? Right. And so now that's true for, for every team that we would bet. Sure. On, you know, well, and even like to, to the jazz, the jazz started 11 and three last year. After that, the jazz finished 26 and 42. Yeah, like the Jazz had a good month, and guess yeah. what? It still totally ruined um, my under. Still did the job just fine yeah. when the under is that low. They the, also, the I mean, they is, also is higher they, here. They also aggressively tanked. Like the Jazz also. Sure, like, you're, if you're, the Jazz sure, had gone you're, for you're, it. The Jazz probably coast. What do you think with what we've said about Houston? I guess part of the cap for me too is that the the other than presumably the Blazers, once they trade Dame, assuming that that happens at some point, let's put, pencil the Blazers in for last in the West. Everybody else thinks they're good. Everyone else wants to win in the West. Everyone else thinks that they are a play-in contender at least. What is the highest seed realistically that you think, you know, not top 10% outcome for Houston, just a pretty good season? How high can they get? Like, can they get above like a 12 seed in in the West? I don't know who they're beating in the West. I think they can, they, they finish out of the Blazers, who will be a bad team without Dame. I think they could finish ahead of the Spurs, who it's going to take some time with Wembenyama. The Jazz, I think, are, are a possible contender down there. We'll see what happens with them. There's not a lot of other teams. Like teams. Somebody, somebody, the Pelicans, because Zion didn't play all year. Like Somebody's going to have a something like that. 
there's not that many teams for the Blazers to finish or, yeah. or sorry for the Rockets to finish ahead of. Yeah. And if you're the 13th seed, you probably don't get to win 33 games or more that often. Yeah. It, last year, you'd go over in both conferences at the 13th seed. Yeah. But typically, yeah. that's that's part All of right. the cap too. Just like the West is just like it's it, I, Houston can't be that good in the West. They just can't to me. You, you win this one. I'll go with you on the under 32 and a half. All right. I'll go with you on this one. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being along for the ride. We'll be back with more episodes throughout the off season. Well, thanks to David Payne, our producer. You can follow Brandon Anderson on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Wheaton Brandon. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.